Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. you may be seated. Praise God. There is a newness in Christ. What I mean is it's the creative power of Christ. You cannot in any way, shape, or form encounter Jesus without being made new. There is, there, because, and here's the reason, in Him, life exists. There is no, there is no death in Him. That's why when he, when he breathed His last, the grave could not hold Him. Because the moment that, that he breathed his last and died for our sins, the very same instance of the grace of God began to move and the Spirit of God began to move. And he just waited a couple of days before he released himself and came out of that tomb. The grace of God brings life wherever it goes. The power of God. The Father looked at the Son, saw the sacrifice, and it was good, and He came forth, and the blessing of the Lord has been pouring out to all those that encountered Him ever since. He makes all things new. There is no substitute. There is no, you cannot have new without Jesus. You cannot have freedom without Jesus. You cannot have life without Jesus in him is life and there's that life becomes more abundant as you continue to grow and we continue to follow after him and continue to allow his grace to come upon you the Bible tells us in Revelation 21 5 the mission of Jesus is simply this it says he who sat on the throne said behold I make all things new I make all things new now understand John the revelator the apostle John is standing up there in heaven he's in the very presence of Christ and he's he's been he's John has had a tour of heaven and he's had a tour of the end of days and he's had a tour of what it's going to look like at the time that we are actually living in right now and he has looked at it and he has written all these things and now as the book is closing and now as the message is closing he he writes down that Jesus says behold I make all things new and then as if Jesus wanted to make sure John got it he says all right John write that down again all right make sure you write that down right for these words are true and faithful you know if Jesus tells you to write something down, I think you got to pay attention to it. Make certain that you know that, behold, I make all things new. There is no, there is no oldness. There is no death in Christ. Only in Jesus is there life. You breathe your last in this body. You exhale your last. But the very next thing is an inhale in eternity. And the very face of Jesus Christ you see right before you. Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day you shall be with me in paradise. There is no transition moment. It is here one second and with him the next. All things new in your life. And so we, we, come, to, we come into our, uh, our community today. And as I was praying over this week and pre- believing God for what he wanted us to uh, go forward in this message, there, there is a, there's a hungering in my spirit for the newness of God to be born in our community again. 
There, is a, every, there, there are areas where it's good, and there are areas where there are blessings, and there are areas where there are, there are certain things that we can hang our hat on. But I want to tell you, I believe we are nowhere near where God wants us right now. I believe that there is a revival that is available for those that will call on the name of the Lord. I believe that there is hope for those that will call upon the name of the Lord. I believe that there is peace for those that will call upon the name of the Lord. I believe that God can transform our community and restore and even exceed where we've ever been before. I believe that God can make all things new. But what is the priority? What is the prerequisite of that? Jesus has to be lifted up. And it's not going to be about a man. And it's not going to be about a church. It's not going to be about individuals or neighborhoods. It's going to be about will you surrender it all and lift the name of Jesus high. You see, lifting up the name of Jesus means that, that we, we, we don't take credit for what he does. We don't take credit for the blessing that God is going to flow. Because I firmly believe that our nation's history has been one of lifting up the name of Jesus. That at times when we have gone to battle and war, we cry out in time of prayer. When they Throughout the history of, of America, you've seen presidents and nations and others taking time to pray and making sure sure that we spend time in prayer. In fact, the very first Congress of the United States spent time in prayer and instituted the atmosphere of prayer. And because in those days, even Benjamin Franklin, the guy that recommended it, who was not, you, it'd be nice to call him a deist. We're not real sure where he was in his faith, but he knew something very important that he'd observed in his life that God, God is the one that builds nations and God is the one that tears them down and if people are not praying then we are not receiving the blood of Jesus and the favor of God in life the story goes when Ben Franklin was simply was this that that he 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 loved to go to 10 revivals and there was this guy named George Whitfield that he hated to go hear him not because he didn't like to hear him preach but every time George Whitfield he had a uh he had an offering for you know some kind of orphanage or whatever he ended up walking out of there with no money in his pocket so he said I never go to church to hear that guy preach and one day he went with somebody he says I'm going to go here and he emptied out all of his pockets and he said I'm going into the church and I'm going to listen to George Whitfield preach and he sits down and as the guy gives the message you know it touched Ben Franklin so hard heart so much that that you know he just it just impacted him and so after he left someone grabbed him and said well how'd you do you didn't have any money he said no no I owe the guy next to me about a hundred or whatever he said uh, I had to borrow money to give to the offering so I make sure that I give money in the plate. I want to tell you, we as a nation know God. We have known God from our beginning. And this is where uh, the critical nature of our society is today. We have to understand that in order for Franklin County to be blessed, we have to lift up the name of Jesus one more time in our community. And behold, he will make all things new. This is the understanding of where we are today. You see, the Bible lets us understand some powerful images. And Scott and I were talking this week, Pastor Scott, we were, we were having a staff meeting and kind of going through some of the th- challenges that we're facing in our community and in the church and other things. And, and he had, had encountered an illustration in one of his studies that he was doing. And I said, I'm going, I told him this morning, I said, I'm using that illustration in my me- sermon. 
there was a, and, and the story goes something like this. I'm going to put it in my words. He, there was a story of a, it happened over in uh, England, this constable that was going out. And as he was, as he was out, he, out on, the, on patrol, he was going by a river and he saw a, a dead body floating by. And so he, he picks up, he grabs the dead body and they bring the townspeople in and they grab this body and they go and they bury the body. And then, you know, they had a funeral. They did it right. They didn't want him to be staying that way. Well, then the next day, he, saws another, he sees another dead body coming by. And so they grab that one, and they put it, and they bury it. And then, all, and then on, for weeks at a time, they were seeing all these bodies floating down the river as they, were keep coming, as they keep coming down the river. So they, they keep burying and burying and burying these bodies over and over and crafting these graves over and over. And finally, the constable says, you know what? Well, let's figure out why these people are dying. So instead of burying bodies, they go upstream and they find that there's a bridge out and the people are trying to swim across the river. And as they're trying to swim across the river, the current is too strong and they end up dying. And here is the moral of the story. I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes good for the story of my point is that many times churches and communities spend all their days burying people rather than building bridges. And we exhaust our resources and we exhaust our community resources on digging graves rather than building bridges and churches. Amen. And churches and people and communities get burnt out dealing with all they're doing is putting out fires and putting out putting out uh this how is this happening and and all they're doing is trying to control the blaze rather than rather than destroying it and stopping the cause of the blaze and i want to tell you today that as a church we are doing we're turning a corner today this is the day i'm launching this vision for you because it's important that we're no longer going to be digging graves anymore we're going to start building bridges to allow the blood of Jesus to flow in areas of our community. You see, the Bible tells us that this is the purpose of why we are still here. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So why are you saying, it's God's grace that saved me? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. God saves you. So then the question is, why are you still here? You know, if I got saved, you know, I could my, punch my ticket, I'm out of here. It'd be kind of nice, you know, the first moment you receive Jesus as your Savior, you get up from the altar. Next moment, you just like Star Trek, beam you up, you know, straight glory to God, you know, right out of here. You know, that, that would be wonderful if it worked that way. But no, that's not the way it works. You stay here. Why? Because the next verse says this, for we are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What this means is that God has saved you and has prepared you to build a bridge so that his glory will be manifested everywhere you go. He has not saved you to sit. He has not saved you to consume. He saved you to contribute, to bless, and to be a blessing for the community and for the church and those around. He saved us 
because he desires for us to make a better life around us. Let me ask you something very important. The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. You know, the wages of sin is death. And then it says earlier, for all have sinned in Romans, Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. So let me ask you a question to think about just for a minute. And the question is, why do people go to hell? Why do people go to hell? Why do people go to hell? Well, the question, I, I, you know, you might have come, come with different answers and different ideas. But let me tell you, I, if I asked you why do people go to hell, I would probably get any, any you know, crazy amount of answers about this sin and that sin and this problem and that problem and this destruction and that problem. And I want to tell you, the reason, now listen to my words very carefully. The reason the Bible says that people do go to hell is because they reject the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. It's not because of some sin in their life. Yes, that's the impetus. That's why they go. But it's because they won't, because somebody built a bridge and they won't take it. You hear me? It's because they say, I want to do it all by myself. Jesus says, by grace you are saved. It is a gift of God. But people will try to swim over the river. They'll try to swim through it and they die. And they, they get too religious and they die. They dry up and they die. They try to do things on their own and they die. And they consistently die. And they lose their walk with Christ. And they lose out in the Lord. And they lose out. And it's sin, yes, that is our disease. It's what has caused us on the way to hell. But no, it's the rejection of Jesus Christ and the grace and the mercy of God that, 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 that destroys us because all have sinned. All have sinned. There's not one person to the right of you, not one person to the left of you that does not sin, has not sinned. If they are, then man, you should introduce me because I really want to meet you because you and Jesus are just alike. But everybody else was born in sin. Everybody else was born in iniquity. Everybody else was born this way. But Jesus has come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. And he has given you a bridge and he has given you a way out and he has given you hope today. And you will... And if you lose out with God, it will be because, not because of your sin only, but because you rejected Jesus. And this is why we, we are so dogmatic in it and people get irritated at the church and they get irritated at us and don't, don't, they say, well, all roads lead to God. Everything leads to the Lord. And we say, no, because we believe in a specific God. His name is Jesus and we believe in him. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus. And because we believe in Jesus, Jesus said out of his own mouth, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And we can't escape that. We can't, we can't alter that. We have to recognize that it's only through Jesus Christ that we are saved today. It is only through his blood. It is only through his grace. It is only through his mercy that we are saved in this room. And so by, by grace we have been saved. The purpose of our church then is to move people. And this is the critical part of it because 
What happens is that when churches get so caught up on the negative and the sin, they start working on symptoms rather than building bridges. And they start working on people's sins. And they start dealing with sin. And they keep dealing with this sin. And I want to tell you, there's only one thing that's going to save someone's sin. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And you don't own it. And you can't, you, you, don't get to use, you don't get to use it for your own glory. It belongs to him. And so what we happen is, is that we get so exhausted on saying, well, this group's over here for this people that have this trouble and have this sin, this people over there. And we shun them and we do this. And, and you forgot that you were lost. And you forgot that you were bound. And you forgot that you had no hope and you had no escape. And you forgot that you grabbed the hold of the hand of the master and he led you over the bridge to what he has planned for your life and so you've got to recognize that it's not about judging your neighbor and it's not about looking and classifying their sin and classifying their guilt and classifying where they are it's about revealing to them the glorious presence of Jesus Christ and the love that comes from Jesus alone that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life Praise God. That's John 3.16. John 3.17 says, "For, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Even Jesus recognized we're messed up. He goes, if I came in to condemn you, you all be dead. Tomorrow. He said, I came to give you a way out. I came to give you a hand up. I came to help you escape. I came to bless your life. I came to bless this community. Our God loves. Do you see? You see, I said that wrong. Our God is love. Now, here's an important distinction in this because I can love and you can love, and but we can also hate, and we can also do things the very opposite of love. But our God loves, period, is love. You know what that means? That means every single thing that he does has come from a heart of love. Every single thing. And if your God has come into this world not to judge it, but to free it, then why are we bit working on symptoms and why are we working on all these problems when all we know is that if we can get them to the cross Jesus is going to take care of it we don't have to be fancy we don't have to be we don't have to do all these particular programs some of them are nice but the purpose of any program is to lead you to the Calvary and Calvary's Hill if you're bound in drugs today if you're bound in pornography if you're bound in any kind of illicit sin in your life I want to tell you there is one thing that's going to free you and it's not coming to me and it's not going to Pastor Scott and it's not going to your grandma or your grandpa it's coming up Calvary's Hill and kneel before the cross of Jesus Christ and letting the blood of Jesus come over you. You see, one time I was, uh, when I was in seminary, I sat down. Huh. And sometimes, like I, I've been telling people, you just need to be real with people. I learned this when I was in seminary. 
<laughs> I sat down in seminary, and uh, in my, one of my first days, and they paraded out their counselors and stuff. And the first thing they said to us, they said, we, rec- we appreciate that if you're here today, that you believe that God has a call on your life today. But we also recognize that you're all messed up. Every single one of you, you're all broken. And until you admit that, you're not going to be free. And they said, we have, he said, he said, come, we have uh, counseling. And all their counseling was, was to get you to the cross. He says, come, we want, if you want to counsel, you want to go somewhere, you want to, you need some help in your life, you need something. He said, come, he said, this is free. If you wait for later, it'll cost you money. But while you're a student, it's free. They're licensed counselors that are going to help you, that will be there for you. And they said this, and this was very, this is what would impact me. They said, we all recognize that you're broken and you need healed. And we need to deal with it now because if we wait until you get out there, your brokenness is going to show up in a time where you don't need it to show up. And you're going to lose your ministry because you didn't take care of your broken heart back here. You following me? So, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, I, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to mess with that. You know, I'm church of God. You know, I'm all right. I'm healed. I was, it, was a non, it, was, it was a non-denominational seminary. So I said, I'm cool. I'm not all right. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence, speaking in other tongues. You know, I mean, I was, you know, I was on fire. And then, so I was about the time, my last of my time there. And all of a sudden, something started happening to me, and I didn't like it. Because God started doing something in my heart. And... I started getting all touchy-feely. And, you know, because I, I've, been, I've been regimented, I've been, you know, kind of more of a, uh, a worker-type oriented person in my ministry. And, and, I, and, I, and all of a sudden, my heart started to change. And Jesus started messing with me, is the best way to say it. And I remember one day, see, this is not in my character. I remember one day I had, a, had a, uh, one of my uh, mentors there. He, I, I walked up to him, and I looked at him, and I just started crying. And first, I was uncomfortable. You know, I'm like, hey, wait, wait, why am I crying here? And I grab a hold of him, and he starts hugging me, and I'm thinking to myself, what is happening here? You know, there is, this isn't normal. And, uh, you know, because I, I, I grew up in the image, I, 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 I got in trouble in school when I was a kid because I, I was enjoying the Rocky movies too much and I liked to, you know, what I'm talking about. So, I mean, that's just kind of my mindset. And here I am trying to be this, this gruff, going after prophetic, John the Baptist type guy going out. And Jesus all of a sudden says, well, let me help you out here with this. And just wham, right in the middle there. And I broke down crying right there in the library. It was embarrassing. And he hugs me, pats me on the back, tells me everything's going to be all right, you know, prays for me. He's crying, I'm crying, this is sick. <laughs> and as I, and then I thought, you know, I probably better go talk to a counselor. <laughs> so I get up. You know, I'm a bishop in the church of God at that time. You know, I had it all together. 
No, I didn't. So I, I'm walking down to, I'm walking down to uh, the office, and I, and I go sit down. And she, she says, you just want to talk for a minute? I said, yes. So we begin to talk. And, and she says, I want you to close your eyes. And as I begin to close my eyes, I begin, I, she said, what do you see? And all of a sudden, Jesus was standing there, actually sitting there. And he's sitting there on this rock. And, and he goes, and she, and she says, she says, what, what is he doing? I said, well, he's just sitting there asking me to come sit next to him. She said, well, go sit next to him. So I, I, I go over in my, in my, in my, in my this, this vision, I guess, and I sit down. And he looks at me, and he tells me, he goes, I love you, Larry. And when he grabbed a hold of me, in that moment, he hugged me, and every single thing went white. And man, the, I, I, I kind of opened up my eyes and she's handing me tissues. I didn't even know I was crying still. And, and what, what, we've, what I found out is that there were things in my life that I had not given over to the Lord. And that gruffness, that, 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 that machoism, all that stuff melted in that moment. And in an instant, he took all that and showed me that the only thing that's going to save us, save me, save a community, save this world, this nation, is the love of Jesus Christ. And that it's not going to be about on how flowery our language is. And it's not going to be about how wonderful, powerful services are. And it's not going to be based upon the love, I mean, excuse me, the worship and all these things. It's going to be whether or not we show the world the love of Jesus Christ and a transformational moment of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't think I've cried since then, but I'm telling you, God did something in me on that day. God transformed me on that moment and it became about Jesus. My rest of my life became about lifting up the name of Jesus and lifting up Christ's glory and making certain that everywhere I go that people do not see me or in the church, they don't see the church, they see Jesus. That when you walk in the neighborhoods and when you walk in your work and you walk in your schools and you walk where you go, do they see Jesus? Do they see the name of Christ in your life? You know, the, the, you know you, and I'm not saying you're going to be perfect every single day. I remember one time, uh, my wife, I was irritated because of something was happening. And my wife is real good about snapping me back into reality. I was getting all gruff and irritated. And she says, do you remember who you are? And I was like, yes. Don't bite their heads off. Okay. I said, why don't you just go ahead and talk while I walk over here. There is, there is the reality of life that, yes, we are flesh. Yes, we can be carnal. But if we will turn to the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ, it melts us. It covers us. And I want to tell you today that through Jesus Christ, you can change this community. We can change this area. We can change this church. When we get past what the things were, the past is gone. It's behind us. And behold, all things are made new today. 
that what was there, we celebrate the good and we throw out the bad and we recognize that God has put us on this path for this moment, for this hour. And I want to tell you, you are more than your sin. The world wants to define you by what sin you committed. And when you go to a church, if they want to define you by the sin that you committed before then, get out of that place. Because I want to tell you, you are not defined by what you have done. You're but defined by who you know. And I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know what he's done. I know who I was. I know I didn't deserve him. I know I didn't earn this. I know that by grace I've been saved. It is not of my own works. It's not of myself. It is the gift of God. He just said, here's a bridge. Go over this bridge and you can be free and you can be whole and you can be beloved today. And As a church, We have to get back to the concept that it's time to start building bridges. And I believe this powerfully because as as Pastor Scott and I were talking, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and gave me a man's name. I knew who he was. And so I I called him. Well, I started Googling his name. That's what I did. I Googled his name and his website popped up. And and, uh, I said... Uh, and I was looking at his website, and I was thinking, huh. And so as I go on, going through, he wrote a book called Building Bridges to Your Community. I didn't know that. And so I called him, and he said, you know, I'm looking. For, and so we're setting up a meeting to talk. The whole point is, is that God is trying to get us and get our attention away from your past, away from your sin, away from where you've been. And focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to tell you that we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there. Jesus gave us a commission in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has promised that he's always going to be with us. He's always going to cover us. He's always going to be around us. That when, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on in your life, he is is God with you right now. He's with you right now. Tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning, I want to tell you that Jesus has already been in your tomorrow and he's planning your path for the next day and the next day and the next day. And he says, I'm with you here now and for always to the end of the age. I've been planning on you. I've been looking for you. I've been waiting for you because I, I mean, some people think that we've got into this scientific mind that we're all here by accident. No, God planned on you being here right now. God planned on your life this moment right now. He loves you this moment right now. And it doesn't matter how you arrived into this world. It matters how you end in this world. And it doesn't matter because you are better than your birth. It doesn't matter if you were poor, if you were broken, if you didn't have a home or a mother or a father. You've got one that's going to come alongside of you and love you and care for you and deliver you and set you free and help Help your lives and bless your community. Jesus has a plan for you. 
He has a plan for your life. He knows all of it, and he is love. And he has offered you a bridge today. And we will die not because he doesn't love us. We will die because we don't take his bridge. I want to give you three things, and we're going to leave. First, number one, as a church, we need to start looking at rescue. Matthew 8.25, then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. The mission of Jesus Christ is very simple. We need to go look for those that are perishing and show them Jesus. Rescue. You see, when you, when you rescue somebody, they, you, they, you, you recognize something very important. If there is someone drowning in the bay over there, quite by natural, they're going to shout out, we need help. We need help. We need help. Why? Because their body knows that they're getting ready to die. They're drowning. They shout out, we need help. When the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody, and when the Holy Spirit covers some, another person and, God's, and, and convicts them, what happens is they recognize that they need help. And the church needs to be there to rescue To be able, and this is where you have to have your apostolic authority, the power of God over the church through the word of God and know what the Bible says and be able to speak peace to their lives through the word of God and be able to speak over them and bless them and help them and encourage them and not condemn them because the Holy Spirit's the one that's convicting them. Yes, they know they're in trouble. It's kind of silly if you imagine getting out in a boat and you're going up next to somebody and they're they're drowning and you stand there and say, look at you, you're just drowning. It's awful. And that's what we do with sinners all the time. That's what we do. And we're all this way. We all look at this. Listen, don't judge me because I'm drowning. Help me get out of the thing. Help me get out. Second thing, we need to restore. Restore. These are bridges. We need to rescue. We also need to restore. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was coming home from visiting Erica. The Holy Spirit just powerfully spoke this in my life. Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What he's saying here is like the next thing, okay, we've got him into the boat. Now it's time to get them to shore. So now we got to get them down to the down to the dock. We got to get them over to shore. So that's the restoration. We we there are others that will condemn you and say, "Don't listen to them." We gave them towels too and got them all cleaned up and got them all dried up. And we we gave them hope and we gave them food and we helped them. Don't let somebody condemn you where you've been for all of sin. But now it's the job of the church to bring them from their point of drowning to the point of standing on their own to restore what God has intended to be for their lives to restore them back to health then lastly the third thing is then once we get them restored through the course of blood of Jesus and this bridge of Christ we need to release them the Bible says but now having been set free from sin And having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all have sinned, but God's gift 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We all have fallen short. We all have done this, but God has given us a gift. This does not mean that you need to continue in your sin. Jesus told the woman, go and sin no more. Don't go back to that. Don't go down there. But it also means that if they're down there, I'm still getting in the boat, and I'm going to get, and I'm going to go out there, and we're going to go rescue them. Because when we get to the point as a church that we'd rather stay on the sh- side of the shore and, uh, and allow people to die and drown because they've been going out there too many times and we're sick and tired of dealing with it, then we have lost the purpose and the mission of why we are here today. Jesus, if he wrote me off after my first time failing, I'd have been gone a long time ago. But Christ has helped me and matured me and encouraged me and blessed me all this way. And we have to go as freely we have received, freely we shall give. We've got to go out into the world. We've got to go out. And it doesn't matter where they are. We've got to be willing to build this bridge to reach to them, to know that there is another way out of here. You don't, why do people turn to drugs why do people turn to illicit relationships why do they do that because there's an emptiness in their soul there's a brokenness in there and they need help from jesus christ the only thing that's going to solve the problems in our schools today the only thing that's going to solve any issue around us is the name of jesus being lifted up there's, there's nothing, we, we cannot divorce Jesus from our lives and, and put him on Sunday mornings. He has to consume you. He's the lover of your soul. He saw you ahead of time. He saw where you were. He saw your family's heritage. He saw, he saw everything in, in front of your life. As I was praying and, and seeking the Lord one day, God spoke to me and said, don't you realize that I am, I, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? I am eternal. Don't you know that I am eternal? And, he, and, and, and so he spoke to me and said, why are you treating me like we just met? He said, yes, you had a beginning, but I did. And I've been waiting on you. God says the same thing about you. Yes, you had a beginning, but he's been waiting on you to be here right now. He is. He is. He knew where you're going to be. The Bible, as Brother Scott spoke about, the joy when we find one more, that heaven rejoices. That heaven rejoices. Why? Because that which was lost has been found. That which was out, that which was, was gone has been found. You see, God has a plan for every person's life in this community today. God has a plan for your life. And there are people that are going to die and lose and never receive it because they won't go over on Jesus. They won't grab the bridge. They won't take it. And there, there was great mourning in that. Jesus wept over the city. He wept over Jerusalem. He, he stood there weeping over the city because they didn't know that he was standing there. The Bible tells me in, in John chapter 1. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 11. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, 
To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to tell you something. The moment that you are born again, you behold his glory for the first time. You, you, and he has been there. The enemy came in and wanted to kill, steal, and destroy your life. But somebody prayed for you. Maybe you don't have praying parents. And God so vividly spoke to me. And he said, and, and you, you cannot discount the love of the Lord and how he works. Because have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night and just felt like you should pray? You don't know who you're praying for. You just pray, God, whoever this is, God, just touch them, help them, encourage them, save them, deliver them, be, be everything they need, and pray for them. And when you get, and when you leave, and when you, when you feel that release and you feel that burden go, you may never know in this life who it was for. But God uses that prayer why? Because somewhere all the way, maybe on the other side of the world, somebody that he's loved for in his mind's eye that he knows that if this person would pray here, the angel of God, the anointing of the favor of the Lord would go and apply to this person here. And this person over here may for one moment in time and that one instant have a mental clarity by the anointing of God and the favor of the Lord that they see Jesus for the first moment and they reach up their hand to grab a hold of him in that moment. And in that rejoicing, there is joy in the presence of the angels because one more has come into the house of God. That one more showed up. One more came in. Do not discount. Don't discount what, what God has done and what He wants to do in your life. Don't discount the glory of the Lord in praying. Don't discount it because God has a plan and a purpose and He is working on saving whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Some of you are sitting here today because parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and parents beyond there has prayed and labored in prayer over your house. And God has been waiting on you to take that mantle that he has prepared for you to go and to grab the anointing and to go forth and to reach and to heal and set free. We are his hands and feet. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5 that we are the light of the world. It's time to start to shine and let the glory of the Lord shine around us. It's time for us to stop getting the glory. It's time for us to stop getting the praise. It's time for us to stop building our kingdom and to building our churches and making edifices unto ourselves. We need to build the kingdom of God again and build the glory of the Lord again and build the grace of God again. Too many people are dying and going to hell and the church is sitting still. But let's go and build and grow with God again. He is lifted up. He will draw all men unto himself because he's more interested in him getting the glory than us. You are valuable here today. He loves you. But he's not going to make you cross that bridge. You've got to grab a hold of him on your own. Receive Jesus on your own. 
you've got to reach out to him on your own. If you lose, it's because he's got a hand over grabbing you and saying, if you just turn, I'm going to take you on an adventure that you never will even imagine. Mm. That's how I ended up in Florida. I just grabbed a hold of him and said, let's go, Jesus. And he brought me here. I don't know where he's going to take you, but I want to tell you, it's not. Someone asked me, what, what is the, when it comes to your ministry, let me tell you, I, I, I don't really care how many people come to church. I might sound weird for a pastor to say, but I don't. What I care about is his name being lifted up. And if we have 40 people the rest of my life, that's fine, as long as Jesus is lifted up. It's not about how many people we can squeeze in and pat ourselves on the back and make certain that we look like we're real good and we try to act like we're something special. No, I want to tell you, you can have 15 people in the presence of God and you'll be better for it than 4,000 people and all you do is putting on a show. The presence of God. You see, because I want to tell you something, that it's not going to be my preaching that's going to deliver anybody. It's not going to be my, 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 you know, my love that's going to deliver anybody. It's going to be Jesus Christ that's going to save people. It's going to be Jesus that's going to lift them up. It's going to be Jesus that's going to wash them. It's going to be Jesus that's going to wash and sanctify and justify them, as Titus tells us. It's going to be Jesus that's going to do the work and not us. So if Christ is lifted up, that's the priority. Jesus be lifted up. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.